basically I was someone who believed I would never not have these issues. I was actually willing to kind of let it take my body down, let it like whatever happened, happened because in the pursuit of what I believed was the right pursuit, I'm just living for the way that our society teaches us that it should be. Welcome to Weighing In on Happy, the only podcast that dives deep into discussions around weight, eating disorders, mental health, body image, intuitive eating, wellness, confidence, and so much more. Each week, you'll be coached through different stories and strategies on how to start living your best life today. So if you're ready, here's your host, Victoria Evans. This episode of Weighing In on Happy has been brought to you by my Craving Food Freedom online six-week course. What if there is a way to have no more food drama, food guilt, food rules, food shame, food fear, or food sabotage? To finally be free to eat intuitively, to work with your body, not against it, and feel fucking fantastic. And what if you could learn step-by-step exactly how to do it all in just six weeks in a self-paced course all from the comfort of your own home? Well, that is exactly what the Craving Food Freedom course is here to do. Sarah said, prior to this program, I was constantly in a state of emotional eating, overeating, and not listening to my body. I didn't know how to trust or listen to what my body was trying to tell me. Since this program, I have learned why my body continues to act in such a chaotic manner. I learned why scientifically I emotionally eat and overeat and how my brain actually works in terms of survival. I learned tools, tips, tricks, techniques, and real-world practices that I can incorporate on a daily basis so I do not have to overeat, binge eat, or emotionally eat anymore. This program truly saved my life and provided me with so much confidence, knowledge, and strength that I didn't even know I had. I truly cannot tell you the amount of knowledge that Victoria brings in this program and how powerful it is. I simply do not have the words to describe it. I could not refer this program enough. So thank you so much, Sarah. To sign up for the Craving Food Freedom online course, you can go ahead and check out my website at www.victoriaevansofficial.com forward slash programs, and it'll also be there for you below in the show notes. Hey, you guys, and welcome back to the Winging Unhappy podcast. My name is Victoria Evans. I'm a science-based intuitive eating coach, and I am so excited because today on the podcast, I have Ali Spots DeLazar. She is an author and she wrote Meaningful, 23 Life-Changing Stories of Conquering Dieting, Weight, and Body Image Issues. Ali is a licensed marriage and family therapist, an expert in eating and body image issues, and a woman on the other side of her own decade-long struggle with food and body. So welcome to the podcast, Ali. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Victoria. I'm actually, I'm really excited to be here and just so had fun chatting with you prior to this. Oh my gosh. Good giggles, man. <laughs> You're like wiping away tears. I was like, I can't even look at you doing the intro because you just kept laughing so hard. <laughs> I know. And I'm being red. Look at my face. <laughs> no, I'm like, I can feel my neck, like getting all like splotchy red. I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> the best. You guys are in for a really great episode. This is going to be a lot of fun. So Ali, I'd kind of mentioned there in the intro while I was trying to hold it together, not laughing. Um, but you'd mentioned, I mentioned that you'd struggled on your own with some food and body image issues. So yeah. what did that look like? And how did that come about in terms of maybe, you know, your career path and what that looked like for what you do now? You know, I think, uh, I think it, of course, influenced me greatly because there's a, there's, Oh, that, that's actually a funny question that I, you yeah, didn't pre-cue me woman. <laughs> so in, in kind of a nutshell, 
basically I was someone who believed I would never not have these issues. I was actually willing to kind of let it take my body down, let it like whatever happened, happened because in the pursuit of what I believed was the right pursuit, I was like, people are overreacting. It's not a big deal. And I'm uh, just so you know, I'm in the San Fernando Valley right now. So I might say like a whole lot, like, (laughs) so I really was like, who cares, man? Like I'm, I'm just living for the way that this, um, the way that our society teaches us that it should be. And so for many, many years, people have always said, you know, you should be a therapist. And, and um, I always loved, uh, I really believed inside of me. Now there's a debate in the field about this. If you're struggling that you can be an effective therapist, um, eating disorder therapist, even if you're struggling with your own, for me, that is absolutely nothing that I would feel okay with. So even though throughout my life, people always said, you know, gosh, you're so good at listening. You give good advice, which by the way, therapy shouldn't necessarily give you advice unless it's under safety. Hopefully it just asks you questions for you to find yourself because you will know better than we do. Okay. So back to the original subject is, uh, I had gotten better and the same feedback was still coming. And, uh, you know, what feels like five minutes when it's five hours. And I was actually helping people on an eating disorder recovery website. I was, I was the, you know, I'm, I'm 50. So back then it was called a listserv. We didn't really, I mean, we had like dial up. So <laughs> you are laughing. <laughs> I remember dial up. Noise about would come out of it. And be like, oh. who's on the computer? I want to, I want to go on the phone. And be like, Get off the oh. phone. I have to go. Right. I call waiting even. So dial up was like this fancy dancy thing, but I was still doing listservs and it would feel like minutes. And I'd notice it was 3 a.m. It was 4 a.m. So that's kind of how the path came here. So I went to school and and um, I, I'm really fortunate. I was at a time in my life where I couldn't necessarily afford school. And I have a really just I, it was such a blessing. Somebody really, really helped me out and took a chance on me. Amazing story. And I think so interesting and important. I know for myself, like having been someone who's been through the recovery process and healed my relationship with food, I have such a different capacity to understand and hold space for people on that same journey. And when I was struggling to recover and speaking with people who had not been on the same journey as me, and they were trying to, you know, help me, you know, whether it be a therapist or a counselor or a psychologist, whoever, I felt like I could never really connect and meet them where they were because they didn't understand and like, no, I feel like a crazy person. No, gaining 10 pounds for me would feel like death. Like they, they're like, okay, yeah, but, and I was like, no, no, you don't understand, you know? Yeah. Well, in all truth, I used to trick every therapist, every doctor, Mm -hmm. like I just, I mean, I remember the nasty, nasty, and and y'all, anyone who has food and body image struggles, please know that if you have thoughts that don't feel like yourself, it could be from not eating appropriately. It could be from a lot of different things that are change in diet can really exacerbate because like I'm really not a mean souled person. And I remember like there was this one therapist who I would be shaking my foot wildly and she'd be like, oh, your foot looks angry. And I remember thinking, you dummy, I'm burning calories. (laughs) I was like, you're so dumb in my head. (laughs) So embarrassing now. No, I 
I so get that. Like I was such a mean and cruel person and like brings tears to my eyes because I was just a downright mean person when I was struggling because I was so hungry. Everything and everyone felt like an attack at me because I had no energy and just the, the thoughts I would think, the things that would come out of my, my mouth, like the eye rolls I would give, like, you know, and I mean, we were talking before we hopped on, you know, like we're just the evolve of where we were when we were struggling to where we are now. And like my personality is completely different. I'm a completely different person and it's scary to want to go through recovery, but oh my gosh, like it's, you can become this just amazing best version of yourself. And so like you're saying, if you feel like you're, you know, have these thoughts in your head that aren't necessarily your own and you're acting out and you're lashing out, like, no, that's that eating disorder. That's that restriction or that's that constantly worrying about food in your body. And that's not you. And you can be free from that. And it's, you know, as you say that, I love how you say that. It's like, it's almost as if there's a delusion. It's almost as if there's another person, another voice, but it's not like in my notes, I'm very, very careful how I talk about it because it's, not another diagnosis like psychoses or something like that. And in some ways it kind of feels like it, but it also feels so justified that you protect that part of you. Um, 30 something years after I got through this whole process, I remember one of the first people was my carpool buddy's mom. And she was a nurse and she stopped me and said something about, you know, you're getting too thin. You're worrying me. And she was actually the only person who called me out in a, in a worried way when I was much, much younger. Cause I, I got it when I think I was 11 or 12, when I started, I'd been dieting already, but then I like slid down the slide and, and a kind of a, the cause is very complicated in science, as you know, because you have given yourself such a wealth of knowledge just by pursuing it. The, the cause is, is many things. All I'm going to say is it wasn't a diet that caused it. This wasn't my first diet, but man, when I went down that slide for me, it was almost instantaneous that I was down the slide, flying off of it into decades of eating disorders. And I had the meanest thoughts about her. I really thought she was trying to sabotage me and just make me, wow. I had to find her on Facebook 30 something years later and just say, thank you for being one of the only people who actually saw I was in pain and didn't compliment it and didn't say, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Look at how much weight you've lost. She, she saw the pain. Which is so powerful and so important. And even if maybe at that time, you aren't always ready to receive that concern and that worry from that person. But I know for myself, like the amount of you look amazing and oh my God, how do you do it? And because I had like you, you know, diets my most of my life and then went on this one kind of really intense diet from Instagram influencer. And there I was being posted all over her, you know, Instagram, Facebook pages, millions and millions of followers. Look at Victoria. She looks amazing. You know, the comments of she looks so good after, oh my God, I would never want to look like the before photo, la la la. And so all of a sudden, like my body was this public, you know, display to be commented on. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, oh my God, I was, I was clearly horrible before. And now I, I look like this and no one had said anything about me, you know, be worrying about the fact that I'd lost so much weight or that I was becoming so obsessive around food. And I remember this one time, my boss at the time 
she's like, you know, don't get, don't get too skinny, Victoria. Like you're, you're look, look, look like you're losing a lot of weight. And I remember just thinking, look, she's just jealous of me. You know? Or like, she's sabotaging my future. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. And, and it's, it was like, I, and even though you can know that you're hurting yourself and you're harming yourself, but like at the same time, because so much of our society is built around praising that body and praising the disordered behaviors to yes. create that body, that it seemed like it was okay. Oh, I lost my period. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. You know, gymnasts lose their period all the time when they're competing. Oh, my hair is falling out because of no nutrients. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. I'll just get more volume hairspray. Like, Totally. And you know, I'm even going to add on something that I've actually never shared publicly, but my mom put it in the story that follows up in meaningful. It's which we will get to. Um, but she says, you know, people were approaching me to be potentially a model now, whether or not they were legit or not, who the heck knows, but I'm young, I'm impressionable. So I actually go in for an interview and get the feedback about how big certain parts of my body were. That, and I just needed to share that because, you know, you go in and you have knee pain and the doctor's like, well, you, sh you know, every pound is worth X amount of pounds. And it's like, I remember once I went to the orthopedic surgeon and they told me, you know, well, if you can get down even more, it'll be less weight on your knees. And it was so hard because at that time I had shifted into bulimia. I went through all of the different eating disorders, non-eating disorders, like I pretty much did most of the stuff. And I remember I so badly wanted to say, oh, how many more times a day would you like me to throw up? Would you like me to have a heart attack in your office? Because I can, and my knees will hurt less. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was so hard not to just out how damaging that was at the time. Because that was when I was starting to shift into, this has been a long time and this is bullshit. I am living a joyless bullshit life. Everybody thinks it looks great, but I have no joy. Mm. All my pictures look like I'm joyful and people think I'm joyful, but I go home and knock out because it was that much energy to act like that. Even to add on that, like you're someone who's struggled to eat disorder and you're looking back at old photos of yourself, you have such a distorted sample size of what it was like, because you only have photos of the times that you were happy and in that body, not the times that you're at home purging at 3am and your eyes are bloodshot or when you're walking <laughs> laps around the grocery store because you don't know what to put in your car, right? Like there's no pictures of that. <laughs> that would be weird to have pictures of that. But like recognize, like we romanticize that small, smaller body so much because we don't have any evidence to the contrary of it. That's in, you know, I actually said, because I went the whole way, my body's been expanded. My body's been emaciated. Um, I actually do have some pic. I, I got rid of most pictures um, because a lot, as I talk about in the biography or the mini memoir, I remembered events, not by who I was with or what they were like or what they were about. I was, I remembered it by dress size or number. So I actually did save a little bit of, of each kind of representation just to show myself how much I put my body through. Bodies aren't supposed to change that much so quickly. And I'm just so grateful. Like I'm 50 and my body lets me go be silly. We dance in the park in the dark since, in the dark since we lost our dance studio during COVID. And my girlfriends and, and guy friends and non-binary friends, like we all just have so much fun and we dance like knuckleheads with fake stadium lights we bring in at nights. And, and so nowadays I'm just like so happy that my body works. It's in a lot of pain from all the abuse I, I did do it because it does... Y'all, it shows up later. 
<laughs> it really does, but it works after everything I've done to it. It's been so good to me. And some of the things that I do go through that are, you know, unhealthy or maybe, you know, we don't have a lot of long-term result, but I, long-term research, but I do wonder if some of the mysterious digestive stuff, I wonder if it comes from all the years of starving and binging and purging and, and I don't think we have data to, to show any of that. So I'm just super grateful that my body has some strength, allows me to go have fun with my silly, silly friends dancing whenever we can. Yeah. Oh, I love dancing. I'm, I'm so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like everything you said, okay, we've got to get to the book, got to get to the okay. book because your book is amazing. I want to talk about it. Why did you write it? Like, what was the thought behind there? Yeah. Well, interestingly, a couple of, uh, I needed this kind of a book. Um, I've been in the field now for about 15 years. So I've been reading, you know, I, I, I hear from clients about memoirs. I hear from people about memoirs. And frankly, I find one long person's story now, as helpful as they can be, I find they can also be incredibly harmful because you can learn tips that you haven't tried. Sometimes it feels like the person writing it is reliving their illness and there's so much pain. So this book for it was it's 23 different stories of finding freedom from eating and body image issues with a wide spectrum. Many people who have severe eating problems slash even eating disorders don't know that they have it. There's a fancy dancy scientific word, the anosognosia, but really like you just don't really believe it's serious. You don't really believe like, you know, you can, you know, that the stats say that people can have heart attacks if their blood, you know, if their um, blood pressure is this and blah, blah, but that's not going to happen to you. So I wanted, even if you don't have that awareness, you think you're doing the right diet and you just keep failing at diets, but it's actually, you've gotten taken over by an eating disorder, but Truly, the information we get from society and mainstream traditional approaches to healing, which is a big part of my book, I point out the traditional approaches and how they'd exacerbate the problems versus the alternative ways to approach healing from the struggle of eating and body image issues, whether it's quote unquote normal dieting up through severe clinical eating disorders. Is it an eating disorder recovery book? No, but could it be? Could, could the tips be useful? Yes, because if something severe is an eating disorder, if that can help someone get better, why wouldn't it help someone who maybe hasn't had all the years of habitually doing these behaviors? The eating disorder starts off as kind of a cue, a genetic cue, um, an environmental cue where like the on button gets pushed on. But along the way, in my experience, it becomes a function for the person. It soothes them. It brings them company. It brings rules and order. It, it brings down anxiety. There's, there actually is a biological abnormality that can leave people susceptible. When you feel calmer with an empty stomach, you may be a bit more susceptible to anorexia falling into the trap. So there's all these different reasons why it starts, but then I believe it continues and almost becomes a habit for many, many reasons of how it's serving the person while it's also hurting them. My passion is to reach people before they lose their lives dieting and in these mindsets. And I find, Victoria, you probably have something similar that by the time someone comes into an office, they've rock bottomed. Until it gets so bad, they don't seek help. And so this book, what I was hoping is, 
that people would read it because they want to conquer their dieting and body image issues. Now, it is true to the title, but it does approach it in very non-traditional ways. It's very much about self-acceptance and learning about how dieting in the body and eating disorders actually work within the system scientifically. Um, so that's a piece of why I wrote it. I, I needed it 20, 30 years ago. Nobody wrote it. Um, so I figured, well, gosh, it, 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 it must be my job to do because I, I tend to to find big projects and and if I get a no and a publisher at flat out said no, because the other piece of this is I don't like all the pain that mental health highlights. I think it scares away the public. Enough pain to cheer for the triumph to me is the teaching moment. You learn through the distance of someone else's story so that you can observe it in a safe way that it then gets into you and you can be like, oh, that's me. And then kind of the final reason is in a long memoir, I have found that people over-identify. So if I have 23 different stories of different backgrounds, of different struggles, of different genders, of different, 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 then hopefully along the way, you identify with pieces of each and don't lock into, well, this story is my story. You get to pick what might work for you. And as time goes by, you may find different parts of it that actually fit your journey later. Like if I had read this book back when I was in it, I truly would have been like, fuck her. She's an idiot. But I would have kept it on my shelf. And I did that with a dietitian. I remember I had some stuff from a decent dietitian, and I was like, literally, yeah, nice advice. Fuck you. And I put it away and I saved it for years until I was ready to start getting better. Why are you nodding? Cause you, you get this. I so get it because I mean, any piece of information, story, anything can be given to you, but if you're not ready to receive it, it's not going to happen. And so what I love about what you're saying in the story is like different stories can resonate for people at different times, depending on where they're at, depending when they're ready or not. And, but you plant that seed. So yes. like when people would say things to me, even if it was like a fuck you, that's ridiculous. It still was in there. And then when I was ready to take that step, it would kind of come to the forefront again. So I think it's so beautiful and important to have a mix of stories, all different backgrounds and messages and tools and tips, because it can meet people wherever they're at right now and wherever they're going to be in the future. Thank you. Thank you for that. And the, and the other piece is it was so important to me to teach through triumph, to teach through joy, to teach through something that feels good. Um, I think mental health, like when I was, there's this public advocacy event that I was organizing many years ago and various establishments said, no, we don't want that in here because, you know, there's too much stigma with eating disorders. And I was like, um, we're trying to break the stigma. This, this is about like celebrating self-acceptance and with the positivity, it opens people up to the education. It, it just, it, it, so that was another moment where I was like, oh, see, now you've pissed me off. So now I'm going to make this event happen. And basically I ended up finding a public space and you have freedom of speech in public spaces. So nobody could say, no, you can't talk about conquering eating disorders. You can't talk about um, eating disorders at all. Like it became a public rally for self-acceptance. I love that. I love that because we need to be having more of these conversations because 
like you were saying before, a lot of people don't even know that they have an eating disorder and then they wait until it's, you know, too late or total rock bottom before they seek that help. And I'm definitely one of those people. And I, but I was listening to so many different podcasts and different things that were like, you know, sports related or fitness related, whatever. And if one of the people on there might've said something along the lines of, Losing your period is not normal. That could mean amenorrhea because that could be related to anorexia and bulimia. Yep. I might have had one of those seed moments, right? Where I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not ready to dive into recovery yet, but it's enough to plant a seed of maybe I should look at getting some help, right? And so we need to be having these conversations, these public rallies, and you know, getting into different spaces because we need to get in front of the people who need it. And it's so difficult to do that if there's so much stigma. You know, and pieces of it will, I tried my best to make sure that it couldn't be triggering. But no matter where we are, and I think listeners know this, no matter where we are in our journey, something that may be triggering a couple of years ago may not be in a couple of years. Like, so I've gotten some feedback, you know, which it's it says a lot about who's reading when it says, um, I think someone says she mentions dieting a lot in the book. And I'm like, wait, there's 80 something thousand words and there's 16 diet references, I think, or something like that. And I was like, okay, yeah. so this person's in that space of being raw, but I hope some seed plant, you know, so I, I love honest reviews. I love angry reviews I, because it bucks against the primary narrative that we're given and fed. And on the, the public thing, that was all that public advocacy event started off as just an experiment to see if people walking past would come in and listen. If we kept things more guised in triumph and positivity versus the lightning that strikes behind us with 30 million people with eating disorders and suicide and blah, you know, like there just has to be a mix of a whole picture, not just the low lights. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're bang on there. And so I'd love to know when it comes to the book, was there anything that you, you know, felt like this was a really important message, a really important kind of take home from the book that you want to share with the listeners or that even for you just really resonated personally? Oh, there's so much, but I wrote down cause I went through your questions and, you know, being, being me, <laughs> I wrote down, you are not alone that what exists and is promoted diet culture is not the only, only, only way in life. And my other main takeaway is hope. I love that. I love that. And like, that's the thing. It's like, you're not alone in this eating disorders and, you know, struggling with dieting and disordered eating, all of that can feel so isolating and like everyone else has it figured out in some way and you're the only one who's you know they're in that struggle and it's not true at all it's not yeah, true or you're the only one who thinks this way or you're the only one who it it's that was you know that's another piece of it I thought it just I wanted people to feel connected somewhere in it it says and someone made fun of my poetry which I was like whatever I like this it's just like individual droplets in the ocean. We are all connected. I don't care where we are in the world. Look at you and I, we're connected today and we're in different, completely different places of the wor world. Like you're probably gonna get ready for bed soon and I'm just starting my day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Did you get to read much of it? I read pieces of it. I read Great. starts with different stories. I read a little bit of your memoir part, yeah. <laughs> curious from from you kind of what like what grabbed you because again you don't have to read the whole thing that's again we do short stories partially because I, I never finish books and partially <laughs> I'm semi-kidding but like 
again, no one long journey that dominates. So I'm curious, even the little bit that you, that you were able to read, what did you grab out of it or what resonated with you? I think one of the things that I found the most powerful and because it really resonated with my own story was the section around connections um, and how the person seemed different. So like, you know, you're talking with like a teacher or a friend or a family, like how did this person seem different now that they kind of worked through some of these issues around food and body? And like that to me was so powerful because we often think we're so good at hiding it and it's not affecting our personality at all. And like, we're doing such a good job. And then I remember speaking to my mom and like, she was just like, you're a completely different person. Like you're not even my daughter anymore. And like, it just like broke my heart. Cause I thought I was like, so sneaky. And like, I was, I was living away from home and you know, and just like the, when they'd call me and be like, how, how are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, like I had a bad night, you know, like whatever. I just like the pain in their voice. And, yeah. you know, it's just that, what that whole section around connections, like really stuck with me because it's really harming the people around you, even if you don't think that it necessarily is. Oh, you just made my heart swell. Um, for anyone listening, I work with a lot of carers, the people who surround people with eating disorders. I've run a free support group for over a decade and the love and what they see and what they notice and what they don't know what to say, what to like they don't want to quote unquote, make the situation worse. They walk on eggshells. And so since the book is really for carers, it's for people struggling, and it's also for professionals to learn, the third section was super important to me because it is that piece of we may think that no one sees us, we may think that no one sees our pain or doesn't care, but they do. Someone is seeing it and someone is caring. Absolutely. It's it's so, and I remember when my dad, I am, when I was in my recovery journey and I remember I was, I was visiting home for the weekend and I walked by um, him in my stepmom's bedroom and I saw a book on his bedside table and it was how to speak to someone in eating disorder recovery, something along those lines. And I remember it just made me so happy because it felt like someone cared and it felt like someone saw me and they were making just this very clear attempt to kind of reach me where I was and you know, use the right words and say the right things. And I just remember looking at that book and just feeling like this spark of hope that I was going to be okay because it wasn't just me. Yeah. And they need that hope too. They need to read mm -hmm. that people have watched people get better, that people have gotten off the eggshells, that sometimes by not saying what you want to say is allowing your person to feel unseen. Mm -hmm. Was there anything that you were surprised to find in this book? So you're going through the stories, or even kind of writing your own yeah. part of the story. Was there anything you're like, I did not see this coming, or this was shocking to me or anything like that? Yes. Um, when I was approaching people, not a single person in here is a, um, is a client, even though many of the stories will say, I happen to be, you know, with a therapist who happened to be an eating disorder therapist. I wanted to make that very, very clear. I, I, for me, that's just not an option to pull from. So I just, I started to write the, um, because a publisher had said, this is never going to work. Um, you know, positivity won't sell short stories, won't sell. Um, 
I started to just put together a prototype because I felt driven to do it. Like it, it, I, it's just this crazy, it, and well, I can say crazy because I'm a therapist. It's my own little crazy thing that gets inside of me and just says, you got to do this. You have got to do this. So I started putting together a prototype and how I did it is I thought, well, I've never really done a project by gut. So I'm going to roll a decks. I've met a gazillion people in all of my life. Let me think about who I think might have a story. And I reached out to them and some of them, like there's some really trusted people gave me trust. And I asked each of them, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you giving me something that I'm going to anonymize the crap out of if it could hurt you, but why are you risking? And they're like, because I want to help someone. So what surprised me the most is that when I went through my gut Either my gut is outstanding and just knew people that would have a story or heartbreakingly, almost everyone has a heartbreaking story. Everyone is going through something, you know, and I talk to people like, oh, I can't believe that person was so mean to me today or this or that. And it's like, everyone has something going on. We cannot I, see it, you know? Yeah. It was so, it, people, I like my gut just said, you have got to ask that person they're in this position in life. And I wonder, even though they seem incredibly like grounded, just ask. And the secret and shame and, you know, I think for them in the end, many said that it was really healing because we bounce things back and forth, whether they gave me uh, an interview and I transcribed it, created the story, gave it to them and we bounced it back and forth until everyone had to sign off that they were, they felt safe with it, that it was their truth. You know, again, we have to change some things to protect some people. Um, but in the end, some said that it was really helpful to work through it because it had been living in them so quietly. And so it was so much shame. So it was, it, I think that's what got me the most is people that my gut said just reached out to. So I'm going to actually um, opt from instead of my gut being brilliant, which I wish I could say I was confident in that. I think it's that body image issues and eating issues plague so many more people than the statistics show us. There's just shame. I mean, our first task in life, developmental task is trust versus mistrust, where we reportedly learn to eat. And then we don't know how, how dumb do we feel? I was valedictorian having no idea how to eat. I felt so vulnerable, stupid, like, oh, just so, re just rejecting of myself. So feel that. Mm. So apart from buy the book, which I absolutely highly recommend, what are other, <laughs> what are some other, you know, tips or tools or advice you might give to someone who's, you know, really trying to break out of the diet mindset or on that recovery journey and just wants to take that first step? First step, I think is you're listening to this podcast. You've taken a first step. Victoria, your story is, I really meant it when I'm like, you started seeking to challenge the truths that you had received. We have to be so careful of what we see as truth, even when it comes from a doctor. Like I invite anyone listening to just start exploring like health at every size is something to explore because it's got a lot of science that counters science. I mean, we can all build science for anything that we wanna advocate for really. So we have to be careful about the snake oil potions. 
But if you go to Health at Every Size, they've got tremendous research on science. If you go to intuitive eating, holy cow. I mean, the research just goes back and goes back and is so fortified. You know, start wondering, like I was thinking about the keto diet and how, you know, we, we tend to like to try, a lot of us will try things that we hear will be healthy. That is the rage is the this or that. But when you really start to challenge that question of, is it truly healthy that something goes in my body into a state where my breath smells disgusting? Is that really going to be my healthy journey? And I'm not saying that like for some people, keto is the solution. And that's the other thing. Like I'm not here to say or judge anyone on the journey, but I do invite you to start asking some questions rather than following and jumping ask. I drove past a place a while ago that was like the blank diet. And I was like, how could eating that every day be any sort of a good diet? No. (laughs) You know, so I think just being super curious, hearing what your brain says, um, curiosity and questioning. Oh, this is probably the biggest. I never used to think about what industry does this benefit? If this industry didn't exist, what harm would come to uh, families financially? The way that our society is built, the system of keeping certain voices and particular systems in place and not intact. I mean, think about how if we're dissatisfied with our overall beings and feel less than, who benefits? It's genius to keep us pushed down. Absolutely. It's, I was posted actually today on TikTok, um, a couple of dance involved with it. Um, but basically I was saying, you know, like the pursuit of thinness in our culture is not related to health or beauty. It's female obedience, right? And it keeps women small, keeps women distracted, keeps women occupied. When we take up space and stop dieting, like you really reclaim that power. Um, and, but and f- yeah. For people who can't be small because genetics mm-hmm. will often dominate. Um, messing with our metabolic system will change the way that we process foods and the sizes of our body. So let's like take a body that can't. And I say that with an accented T become small. Now they're like double and triple oppressed and they may have the gnarliest eating disorder, but nobody sees it. The only eating disorder that sometimes screams attention is severe emaciation. Otherwise it's invisible. Your pain is often invisible. And I'm sorry, but you deserve to be seen. Yes. Yes. So much. Yes. Okay. So with that, I would love to know because the theme of my podcast is weighing and I'm happy. I did not prep you with this question. So here. Oh, we and we're not going to do body dysmorphia because you made me go to science. Do, I know. Okay. Do you want to go into body dysmorphia quickly? <sighs> We no, I just, I just need to say that you actually made me go look it up with science. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. So nobody really knows what causes body dysmorphia. So <laughs> I, mean, I truly yes, okay. think it is a hyper focus on a particular, if we stare at something every single day, we will notice it's, I think it's just a magnification of a hyper focus and regarding body dysmorphia in particular, it tends to be the last thing to go. And I think partially that is because our eyeballs genuinely see something that others can't see because partially because we've habitually focused on it day after day after day. 
Um, so one of the ways to get rid of it is to uh, pick out some outfits, have a friend scale them. If you can find someone who you can really trust, like know what matches, sometimes don't look in the mirror at all, make sure nothing's tucked in in, in bad ways that expose things and get out of your house. Like just know that you're looking in a funhouse mirror and for a while you may need to trust someone else about what matches or whatever more than yourself and i'm so sorry to say that it's it's really a truth you're looking at maddie dysmorphia is looking in a funhouse mirror and absolutely believing it and so sometimes we have to give our trust over to other people for a while because we really can't our eyeballs screw us That's and also Thank you. And the, the um, last piece of that also is if you're eating wacky, it's probably going to get worse. So the first remedy is regulate your food. The next remedy is the hyper-focus has got to, you've got to start unpracticing that. Yeah. I love how you added that, that second part as well, because if we're not eating enough food, if we're not getting our brain enough nutrients, we can't think properly. So like, yeah. you, like it's, you might have body dysmorphia, but then adding in the fact that you literally can't process the world correctly because you don't have enough energy calories in your body. Like right. you're double screwed. Right. Right. Um, and I, it was funny. I was scrolling back and just like, I was, I don't know what I was looking for, like some old pictures. Anyways, I came across the pictures from when I was smaller and I remember taking the picture. I remember the thought in my head of, Oh my God, I can't believe I've gotten so big in recovery. And I looked at it, like, I think it was like yesterday, like last night I was looking at, it, I was like, I look still like incredibly small, but my brain was like, you look huge. Like this is out of control. And I was like, looking back, I'm like, no, I wasn't, you know, like your brain will just completely distort it. And even just noticing those thoughts, like the fact that you could hear your mm -hmm. thoughts, don't believe on my Instagram page. I have these ridiculous skits where there's this judge in your head. <laughs> And I act, yes, I dress up like a judge and I'm like, you of course, stop. so much. <laughs> I love it. But why that is, is because our brains are constantly organizing and chattering. Do not trust what your brain says, even if it repeatedly says it. Like, that's the first thing. Notice what your brain's saying and just start to look at it and be like, oh, are you trying to organize and do me a favor? And, and you're actually just screwing me? Or is this really, really true? Don't just trust it because it keeps saying the same thing. Yeah. Not everything you think is true. I had to learn that, right? Not it's facts, like, not feelings. Yep. Yep. Just your Ugh. brain will keep telling you different things, especially if you're selling eating disorder, just to keep you in that eating disorder and knows what to say. And, you know, and you don't have to believe it. You don't have to listen to it. It does. And the brain, like the brain's job is to organize for us. So of course it's saying judgmental things all the time. It's protecting mm -hmm. us. It's organizing. Thank yeah. you brain for telling me that I'm a loser. Suck it. <laughs> Super health information, um, but go suck it, please. Yes. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Uh, okay. So we covered body dysmorphia. Okay, good. Yes. The last question now. Theme of my podcast is weighing and unhappy, where, spoiler alert, our weight does not make us happy. So for you, subjective question, what makes you happy? What makes me happy? Read ridiculously unbridled laughter like we had before we started this where our faces were beet red and our eyes were watery um dancing for joy now and not for calories um and not for burn and not for strength and not for muscles but just to move with a bunch of goofballs who will pretend to be bears and genies and whatever else the songs tell us to be <laughs> um putting my head in my cat's belly 
Oh my gosh. My cat actually physically hugs. It can't sleep without hugging my arm. Like there's just so much that it took me, you guys listening. It took me a long time to feel joy. And I think that's why I used to push other people to feel joy because I was like, well, fuck, if I can't feel it, at least I can feel fulfillment and I can feel purposefulness. And if that's the closest I ever get to joy, that's okay. Now I have a lot of joys. I don't tend to talk about my personal, personal life. So I keep it like, I don't know. There's just, I'm, I, I, for someone who, when she was in her eating disorder was like incredibly open about personal life stuff, just not eating disorder stuff. Now I'm like a locked vault. So there's actually so many things that make me happy, but those are the three that just pop right now. I love that. Oh, the cat belly thing. That's so vivid. Like my dog back in Canada, like just like the dog snuggles. Like I just, <laughs> like, I don't, I just, oh man. Yeah. Animals, the pets are the best. Oh yeah. Mine okay. was innocently asleep today with like all four paws straight up belly exposed. And I just like snuck up and buried my face. And it was like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's hilarious and amazing. Oh man. Okay. Where can people find you and where can they get your book? Book they can get anywhere. Like Amazon's got a lot of reviews. Um, It's available there. Unsolicited Press is my beautiful little small house who believed in it. I, I used to get compliments letters with rejections and Unsolicited Press took a chance. So would love it to, for people to honor them if possible. There's some local bookshops where you can local your mom and pops that are local. Gosh, Almost anywhere can order it or bring it in for you. So thank you so much for bringing that up. You can find me on Instagram at Therapist Alley, A-L-L-I. Um, you can also find some of my socials are Meaningful Read. Um, but uh, you can find Alley Spots to Lazar, two L's, two T's, two Z's. <laughs> That's like made to be like a famous like name because it's like, that just, that sounds so great. It's like, like, it's great. And all that will be below in the show notes. So you guys can easily go and check it out there. Um, and just thank you so much again for coming on. This is like the best part of my whole day. Like this is just so energy filled and so much fun and such a good connection, even though we're on different sides of the world. So thank you for so, thank you so much for coming on and super appreciate you. And thank you for having me on and thank you for being open to connecting across the world. And for he- thank you for all the healing you're doing with your people. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, then I would please invite you to rate and review on Apple. It really does just take two seconds. If you're on the app, you can just scroll right to the bottom, leave a few stars and a little review, and it means the absolute world to me. Helps me to get even more incredible guests just like Jamie. So it helps me and it helps you absolutely a win-win. I'd love to connect with you over on Instagram. If you haven't already added me there, that is at Victoria Evans official. Shoot me a DM. Let me know you've listened to this episode. I'd love to chat with you. And as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I would love for you to go ahead and check out the Craving Food Freedom online course. You can do that by checking out my website, www.victoriaevansofficial.com forward slash programs. You can also sign up for my biweekly newsletter that is called Friday Food for Thought, where I give you lots of different food freedom, body freedom tips and tools, what I'm listening to music wise, recipes, journal prompts, all the awesome things. You can also go ahead below to the show notes and check that out. All right. Thank you so, so much for listening. And until next week, I hope you have a fabulous day. Bye-bye.